We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. My name is Will Gottlieb and I am your host today for a very special episode of the CHGO Bulls podcast. We're doing a crossover with my guys Ricky and Jason of Cash Considerations. Uh, Guys, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, Will. Thanks for having us, buddy. I know it's been. I think Ricky, we had you on like at the draft last year. Jay, I don't even know if you've been on yet, but long overdue, regardless. And I was listening to your last episode the other day, just kind of in preparation for this. And at the end, Ricky, you were just like, We keep talking to ourselves in circles about what the bulls should do. Like, we just need some trade rumors. And guess what, guys? We got some. So today we got a lot of Zach Zach Levine buzz. Um and I figure we'll just get right into it. So this morning from Jake Fisher at Yahoo Sports, he posted uh, an article about Bradley Beal and some of the trade buzz around him. And in that article was a little bit of a nugget having to do with the Bulls where he says, wishful executives will keep their eyes peeled on Portland and Damian Lillard. But it is the Chicago Bulls who have started contacting teams, quietly gauging the trade interest in Zach Levine. League sources told Yahoo Sports, it remains to be seen just how willing Chicago is to part ways with Levine or if it receives receives a commensurate offer for his services. Levine has four seasons remaining on his five-year $215 million contract, and multiple teams have indicated that the Bulls are holding a steep valuation for Levine, one that is likely to exceed what Washington can ultimately net for Beal. Um, let's just start here, guys. What did you? What were your thoughts when you first heard this? Well, it's funny, Ricky, because we literally were talking about Zach Levine trades on our last podcast. Will you you bring that up? And Ricky was because I feel like Ricky is now like has I just gathered it from our last pod. We mentioned this specifically. Like it seems like you're starting to like come around on let's just trade Zach thing. And again, lo and behold, here we go. We get some Zach Levine slop. It is interesting the way that report was worded that the Bulls are contacting teams. There's a lot of times like now, whatever. Teams call their teams, ask like, hey, like, what about this guy? The fact that apparently the Bulls are calling teams to see, like, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there were Zach rumors at the trade deadline, like the Knicks came up. Uh, who knows how far that one? It seemed like they were kind of competing reports with how serious that, that was. But we were definitely wondering then, and especially now with where the Bulls are at, would these talks pick up again? Now it does seem like the Bulls are initiating here and seeing – at least, like, well, hey, what could you put on the table for Zach Levine? And, of course, with where the Bulls are at, nothing should be off the table. As we have gone in circles about, the Bulls should be willing to do just about anything other than running it back because that's unacceptable. So they absolutely should be gauging Zach Levine's trade interest. Um, in terms of, like, actually making a trade, I think it does make sense that they're asking for a lot, of course. I mean, he has been the face of your franchise. While he's not a 1A guy, as we have talked about, like, he is still a very good 
number two option on, on, on a good team. I think he had a really good season. He's still what 28, 29 um, and compared to Bradley Beal, who is like all the hot name. Now like Bradley Beal has some people say the worst contract in the NBA. He's got the no trade clause. Uh, he hasn't really been that healthy. I've, I've said recently that like Bradley Beal feels like a total afterthought in the NBA. So like if Bradley Beal and it does seem like it, who knows how much Bradley Beal will actually go for in a trade, but I would definitely think Zach should have more trade value than him. So uh, like, I don't know if the bulls will maybe wait to see what happens in a Beal trade and be like, all right, like here's this trade. We want to get more or if they're actually going to come out and just do it. And I mean, for me personally, like, like I said, I think I'd be fine if the bulls did trade him. I would want a lot. I don't want to just trade him to trade him like, like the Bulls did with Jimmy Butler, as we all agree on the Jimmy trade that it was, they didn't get enough for him. They basically traded him just to trade him because they wanted to be done with him. They should not, obviously, different front office, but that same mistake can't be made. Don't just trade Zach, trade Zach. They got to get good value for him. The question is, what value is that? And I'm sure we'll talk about possible trade packages there. But again, I think the most interesting part about that report is just the fact that it said the Bulls have contacted teams and that they are seeking out a possible trade. Again, nothing in, imminent. We'll see if they actually do it, but uh, the slop is picking up and love some good slop at this time of year. Yeah, there's so much to get into with this. It's definitely a juicy rumor, and you got to thank Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports for giving it to us on the day we're doing this podcast. But a couple things. One, I think Zach earned his every penny of his contract last year. He was mostly durable. I believe after December 1st, he averaged like 26 points a game on like almost 64% true shooting, something like that. So I think we know what Zach is at this point, for better or for worse. 28 years old, turns 29 in March next season. He is an electric off-ball scorer with great three-point shooting uh, and great rip attacking. He's also sort of a low feel player who just can't be, you know, the lead decision maker on a team. We've seen that again and again during his time with the Bulls. I don't think Zach's the type of player that is going to lift an average team to greatness. I'm not sure if he's going to lift a bad team to averageness either. So I do like that the Bulls are at least poking around to see what they could get for Levine uh, and it being coupled with these Bradley Beal rumors is pretty interesting because listening to sort of the dialogue around Beal rumors, it seems like Washington is not going to get any value for him, yeah. which if they would have acted a few years ago, they probably could have gotten a big haul. So I do wonder with Zach at 28, with most of the league looking pretty wide open right now, uh, if this might be the best possible time to capitalize on Zach's value. Now, I as Jason said, I don't think that there should be a lot of pressure on the Bulls to dump Levine. I think you only trade him if you're getting a awesome package back for him because he probably is, definitely is, the best trade chip on the team. Uh, and, you know, the Bulls are sort of looking at their future right now like, all right, we're an average team, but where can we go from here? And they don't have a lot of avenues to improve the team because they don't have their draft pick this year. They probably won't have their draft pick in 2025 sent out for DeRozan. So potentially, you know, if you're going to trade Levine, I would be looking for a big haul of draft picks in return, which they did not get for Jimmy Butler. Uh, but if that deal is not on the table, I think Zach's going to continue to earn his contract with the Bulls as long as he's healthy. So it's an interesting move, uh, an interesting rumor, I should say. I think it's definitely good that they're poking around to see what his value is. If someone knocks your socks off for a Zach Levine trade offer, I would have no problem with the Bulls trading Zach. And I do think that it's very possible this will be his high point in trade value for the rest of his career, just given his age, given the fact that he closed the season on a pretty strong note and hopefully pushed aside some of the long-term injury concerns tied to his knee. So, uh We'll see. We'll see what Arturis can do. He certainly has not made a bold move since the initial splash with DeRozan, Caruso, Lonzo. Uh, it would really be a shame if they dumped Zach in, you know, just to get the contract off the books, because I do think he's worth the money. But you look at the rest of the team and they're talking about resigning Vooch to an extension. DeRozan is an expiring contract, so you know it's kind of interesting. There haven't really been tangible DeRozan trade rumors. Are the Bulls looking at signing DeRozan to an extension? Right now, DeRozan making $27 million a year. He's the 47th highest-paid player in the league. I think DeMar's earned a raise. I do not think the Bulls should be the one to give it to him. 
And I'm not sure what type of trade value DeMar has in return. It seems like the Bulls probably missed their window to maximize DeMar's trade return at last year's trade deadline or even in the offseason. So there's a lot of balls up in the air. I think it's good that they're listening to offers on Levine. I'd also be fine with Levine sticking around to finish out his contract with the Bulls, too, because I think he'll be worth it. Uh, But, you know, like Jason said, for the Bulls, all options should be on the table because they are currently an average team that is capped out with very few future assets. And that's not a great spot to be in. And as you like to talk about, like if their aspirations are just to be the eighth seed and they're just getting older and becoming like a worse version of themselves, they have to like get better in order to achieve that goal. Like they didn't do that this year. What's to say they can even reach their goal of becoming an eighth seed next year if they keep on keeping on. So for me, I totally agree. I think like the fact that they are actively seeking out potential trade partners, just gauging the market, um, they absolutely need to do that. And it's good because like at the deadline last year, Arturis basically, you know, showed his hand saying that like they looked around for deals, but none sort of presented themselves in a way that would have helped them get better. And to me, that indicates that like they weren't trying to go backwards. They weren't trying to sell parts. They were trying to accumulate. And I think, you know, despite being kind of a disappointing trade deadline in the sense that they didn't do anything, I think it's for the best that they didn't invest more resources into this group and and dig the hole even deeper. So I absolutely agree. And I think the other key piece here is that like, you're totally right, Ricky, it does need to be a value deal. And with the new CBA coming up with uh, the salary cap rising like 10% every year, it'll be super interesting to see what the valuation is on Zach um, and, and sort of what the Bulls can get back. So I do just want to sort of take a look at this um, in contrast with Bradley Beal, who, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, there's there's some comparison between the two. And obviously Fisher mentioned it, um, that Zach could exceed what Washington could get for Beal. So just throwing up the contracts here. Zach, obviously, as you said, Ricky, two years younger. Um, he has actually played 52 more games than Beal over the last three seasons and statistically been as good or better. He's been slightly more efficient with like an assist and one point per game less. Um, but as you guys can see here, he's like making pretty significantly less money. He's also, he does not have the no trade clause that Bradley Beal has, which I think can impact obviously where he goes, but the return that a team can get. Like if he says, I only want to go to Miami and that's where you're going to have to send me And Miami only has like Tyler hero and the 18th pick to give up. Uh, that obviously hurts what Washington is able to get back. Um, how do you guys see one, like what Bradley Beal gets and then two, what can you, what can you, how do you use that to sort of uh, evaluate how Zach can be perceived around the market? Yeah, Beal has very quietly had two kind of mediocre seasons in a row. And like Jason said, Washington's such an afterthought. Like you said, Will, he hasn't been super durable. I think the Beal only makes sense for a handful of teams, really. I think he could make sense for the Sixers if they lose Harden. I think he could make sense for the Bucks, maybe those are some teams that have been mentioned Who else in Miami mentioned? too, to see Miami pretty obvious. Yeah. on that. Yeah. So it could make sense for Miami. Um, you do wonder how the new CBA just affects all these things because as we've heard, the crunch is coming, but no one knows exactly is what is coming because the CBA is not even done yet. It's not even out yet. And, and the cap is going to rise. So we'll like see how much. So yeah, there's like so much just like weird stuff going on. With this new CBA, like, Details are trickling out and like they do not seem good for the players at all. It seems like they got like if you're a team and you're going to make a giant trade for a $50 million contract, like you want to know what you're getting yourself into cap wise. So it's, it's going to be super interesting, but you know, just having cost certainty in Zach, I think could be potentially pretty appealing. Like for example, when Jalen Brown signs his big extension, he's going to be making significantly more than Zach. When, Let's say Trey Young signs his next extension. He'll be making a lot more than Zach. So you have Zach for his age 28, 29, 30, 31 season. And that's a pretty good time to have him locked in. And as I said at the start, I think he'll mostly be worth his money uh, because people need to wrap their head around this. Really good number two options are worth a max contract in the NBA. You can look at you know the best number two options around the league. They're all making basically max money. And that's what Zach is making too. So uh, 
the thing that I really think is interesting with Beal is just that like any trade the Wizards make with Beal is not going to net them a huge haul of picks the way it may have a few years ago. Now, we don't know what's going to be out there for Zach, but if the Bulls do trade Zach, I hope it is for the absolute most you can get for him, the biggest package of assets you can get for him, because Washington's not going to get that for Beal. I think Beal is going to be viewed in terms of an asset as like a slightly positive asset that you know has some upside in terms of his encore play, but also is, re- is really going to uh, put you in a bind in terms of how you build the rest of the roster around that big salary cap number on your sheet. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, but uh, I think Beal's not going to fetch much in return, especially because he has leverage over uh, the situation with the no trade clause. And if the Bulls do trade Zach, I just hope that it's for a boatload of appealing assets. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at the Miami thing, like, again, Hero seems like the obvious whatever. Him and then there's Duncan, like Duncan Robinson salary, but then like draft picks. I'm not totally sure what Miami has draft pick wise, but I mean, they get maybe what, two like in a Beal offer one, two first picks of, along with Hero. Like I don't, I'm not really sure how Hero is evaluated either, but he's going to be on a big, pretty big contract now as well. He's fine as a player, probably still a little more upside there. But how much better is he going to be? I don't know. The Heat just went, made it to the finals without him, basically. Like I wonder, like I wonder, like the Heat looking at this whole situation. I'm curious, like how much if Beal says he wants to go to Miami, but then like if Zach's on the table too, like I'm curious how much more they would offer for Zach, uh, because like Zach is, I mean, you if you're the Heat, would you rather have Zach or Beal right now? Probably Zach, right? But I'm curious. Well, like, how it's much interesting because yeah, like if if you are Miami and Zach apparently has you know more trade value, you'd have to get give up more to get right. him. Is it worth but how much better Beal yeah, for like yeah. cheaper to get maybe similar production but have an older, more expensive player? It's just it is gonna be interesting by contrast because you're right, like there aren't a lot of obvious trade partners for either of these guys. Um and I think, yeah, the biggest thing that we've all kind of danced around here is like is the value piece and like specifically how can you avoid falling into the Jimmy Butler trap of not getting enough back and not setting you you know, three or four or five years back in your development. So like you mentioned, Ricky, a couple of picks. Um, what, yeah, like it, it, does it have to be two plus two, three picks? Does, is there a world where like some package of young players and maybe one pick? Because for me, as we kind of talk about it here with regards to the new CBA and then John Hollinger a couple of weeks ago wrote a piece about how there just aren't very many teams that have their full trove of picks that they can give up. So like, what if that deal isn't out there? What if like a three uh, three pick plus a player package just like isn't available for Zach? To me, it's like I feel less urgency to move on from Zach than I would right. for Demar. That's what I'm saying. Zach's gonna be worth his contract. So I don't know. We could talk about hypothetical Zach packages, but you know, the one that I thought could look interesting, both from a fit where Zach is going and what the Bulls could want in return. You know, could the Bulls get six and 11 from Orlando? Can you throw in a future first in that as well and give us some matching salary? I know Jonathan Isaac is a big salary number that isn't fully guaranteed. That would be the type of deal I would want if I'm the Bulls. When I look at teams that could want Levine, I think Orlando's a natural fit. Uh, They desperately need shooting. They have a hole at the off guard. They need some athleticism too, because Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, not exactly blazing athletes themselves. Uh, So I think like Zach just checks a lot of boxes there where he's a great shooter, plays a position in need, gives him some athletic punch. Now would Orlando give up two lottery picks this year, plus a future first for Zach? You know, Mm -hmm. can the Bulls get Jalen Suggs in that too? Like, I think that there's a lot of like sort of moving parts. It really just depends on how much Orlando wants to push to try to be a you know potentially competitive team in the East next year. The East is top heavy. I do think there's some upward mobility. Orlando closed the season at 500 over the last few months. Bancaro's a legit star, and Franz is a wonderful number two option. Those guys are on rookie contracts, so they they're a franchise that could absorb someone like Zach. If I'm the Bulls, that's the type of trade. I'm probably looking for uh, it's sort of debatable how much that really improves the bulls like long-term outlook. But like, if you're just talking two lottery picks, another first rounder, I think that that's probably like the max of the value you can get for Zach. 
Uh, so I'm just going to throw that out there. What What's your guys' reaction when you hear that package? Do you think that that's not enough to trade Zach? Do you think Orlando would never do that? That's I think Orlando probably wouldn't do it, if you're asking me. That's who's what I would lean towards as well. <laughs> Yeah. I think the Bulls should consider something like that. I mean, two like pr- decently high-level shots at a lottery pick this year. Um, and Ricky, I know you're the draft guy, uh, and this seems to be a stronger draft to get six, pretty good to get six and eleven in. Um, and then if you're able to get even more, like I mean, because you look at lot, whatever these some of these picks, these big trades that we've had, whatever, a lot of picks involved, but like a lot of those picks end up not being like that great. So if you're getting yeah. a couple that are really high, um, and then if you are getting whatever another young player who maybe hasn't been able to totally show his like total potential. Um, I think that's only something you'd have to consider. I mean, getting two, two lotto picks does seem like basically two top 10 picks seems like the best you can pretty much hope for. I would guess like if you can somehow get to up to three, we, we've talked about the Blazers thing and like number three does not seem like that's realistic. Uh, we know the Blazers are talking to a lot of teams because Dame's basically putting the screws to them and saying, if you don't make a trade here, I might be out of here. Uh, but it does not seem like the Bulls are involved in that. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe they do get desperate enough that they would put number three on the table. And in that case, um, it's like you have the opportunity to get Scoot Henderson, you probably go and do that. But assuming that's not the case, getting six, getting 11, and maybe getting another asset or two is certainly not a bad haul. I wouldn't like hang up immediately, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like I don't love it in the sense that it doesn't necessarily give you a premium upside, like blue chip prospect that you'd kind of want for Zach. Um, I definitely don't hate it. And it would be something that I would definitely consider, especially if you can get like Suggs um, or like one of the other young magic players back. But it's crazy because this draft, I mean, you mentioned the Blazers, like the Hornets could make a move uh, for two. And I think like if, if you really are in on scoot and I think, I certainly am and and would be a lot less interested in three if Scoot is not there. Right. That could be a trade partner. Um, the Rockets are obviously like going after Harden. And if they miss on him, or even if they like want to put another really promising talent around him, like is four going to be available for Zach? Um, five, you got the Pistons. I think they're in a similar boat. So it, it to me, it's like who is the most desperate out of these bottom feeder yeah. teams to get out of the bottom? And like, how can you leverage that? Because like Ricky, you probably know better than either of us. Like, would you rather have for the next four years, Zach on his contract or Brandon Miller on his rookie deal? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the goal of the team, but I would probably rather have Zach. I think think Brandon Miller is a good prospect, but uh, Zach has proven to be a pretty electric threes and rim pressure guy. You know, as long as he stays healthy, I think Levine's going to continue to be really good. But also, like, Levine's not good enough to truly impact team success at a high level. Like, I don't think that that should be breaking news because we've just seen it, you know, for years and years and years at this point. So uh, I'm curious, Will, like, just hypothetically, what do you think a good Levine package would look like? So you're talking about trading him for a top five pick in this draft. I personally just don't think that's realistic that you could get the second or third pick for Zach Levine. Like, I don't see that happening. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Charlotte would go for that. I really just have no idea. Uh, But that's a wild card. So like MJ is going to help the bulls out. Yeah. What what to you would be a a good Zach package? I think, I think it's really interesting because as Jay mentioned, like a lot of the picks in these like three unprotected future picks deals are probably not going to be that good. And so if you do have a truly high bite at the apple, like maybe that's worth a couple picks. Um, I, I definitely think if you could get, you know, six and 11 and one more future pick like that Denver pick in 2025 that they have probably not going to be, you know, in, it'll be outside the lottery for sure. Um, you know, assuming nothing terrible happens in Denver. Yeah. Um, so like that probably sweetens it up for me. Um, yeah, it's tricky. Like I think the Knicks were common, obvious trade partner. There were the rumors there, but they don't have a pick in this upcoming draft, obviously sent theirs to Portland, uh, in the Josh Hart deal. And then the Mavericks tanked into possession of their own pick, which was top 10 protected. So they don't have any picks this year. And I feel like if you're going to move off of Zach, you kind of got to get something back that helps you at least, like from a young prospect standpoint immediately. Um, yeah. I don't know. As we, as we just kind of sit here and think about it, like 
yeah, maybe six is kind of the highest you can get. I do think the Rockets could be um, a trade partner. I've heard like Beal to Detroit and it's like, if you're going to trade for Beal, like maybe you would rather just trade for Zach. And I don't know, like if Whitmore or Men Thompson are there, I feel probably better about taking those guys than I do Brandon Miller. Um, so that's like the ideal range. But again, if you're not able to get that, I don't feel as much pressure to move off of Zach right now because one, I think he's playing up to the value of his contract. But two, I think as the money increases, as you have guys like Jalen Brown making like $55 million a year, 40 does not look that bad. And I think right. he becomes even more tradable in two or three years. Yeah. When it comes to the Rockets, like would they, I think we talked about this last well, week. Well, like would they, would, would they trade Jalen Green or and four? Like, is that too much? Like, I have no idea. Like, Jalen Green is like, whatever, maybe young Zach Levine. Like, if they're really trying to, if they are going for Harden, like, Zach playing off Harden, at least offensively, would be pretty devastating. So, like, maybe would they do four and Green? That probably seems like too much. But, like, I'd at least be looking for something like that. Uh, I know they have other young players, too. Uh, I don't know. But... I think another interesting thing that I mean, I'm sure that we, I'm sure we we're about to talk about, but just like if the Bulls do look to trade Zach, then what else do they do? Like, if their aspirations are like, are they going to just try to compete like with DeRozan and Vooch and like whatever they get back? What, what what would the next move be? I'm very curious about that because AK says they don't want to rebuild, um, but trading Zach obviously is like a huge step in some kind of direction. But like, would they then just try to like build the team around Demar and Vooch for a couple of years and like whatever they get back from? It, it does seem like I am very curious about what their mindset is. Like, do they just want to be off Zach? Do they just like not like Zach and they want to just move off him and kind of compete for a little bit? Would they actually blow it up? AK says he doesn't want to, but what do you guys think about that? Do you think like if they traded Zach, they would then also trade DeMar? Do you think they would try to just, because I think our mad at, I think bloggable kind of wrote about this. They're like trading Zach doesn't necessarily mean you have to blow it up. So I'm very curious, like depending on the packages they'd be looking for, um, if they were, would be trying to get something that's more like win now and like try to keep this thing going, um, which I feel like we all probably think is pretty foolish. Like I feel like if you trade Zach, you might as well just completely tear it down. But I'm really curious if the Bulls front office feels that way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That was a good segue, Jason. I think that was kind of where I wanted to go next is just like, <laughs> what what are we doing here? So I think first, like, <laughs> first, like, do we even trust AK to pull off a Zach trade right now? Um, and if so, what what direction does he go that actually makes sense? Because as you said, like, they could try to retool around Damar. They've had, you know, a strong stance publicly that they're not going to do a full-on rebuild. But to me, um, and maybe you guys disagree, like, Keeping and and retooling around Zach, or I'm sorry, around Damar, and obviously they've got like these Vooch extension talks ongoing. Like, is it feasible to retool around the old guys? Um, does it need to be a full on teardown if they're gonna trade Zach? Does it make more sense to trade Damar and retool around Zach? What do you guys think? Well, I don't think it makes much sense to sign Vooch to an extension and sign DeRozan to. I, I assume it's going to be a lucrative extension. I don't it's, know. I guess. The, the max extension is four one fifty four, So it's like yeah, 38 and a half. About, we keep talking about, okay, so that's going to be the max extension for DeRozan. But like, what's he actually going to get? Is he going to get, so he's making 27. Is he going to get 35 million a year? 
I think that could be okay if you do two years. I wouldn't want to do four years at that. I mean, he's you know he's turning thirty four this year, so at a certain point, the age curve remains undefeated. I think that you got to be really cautious how much you're going to pay DeRozan as it gets up there. I would rather lose DeRozan for nothing, honestly, than uh, give him anything Four, close. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's wild. I Which he's, I've, he's earned, I keep saying this, he has earned that money with how he's played. Like he's outplayed his contract, he's earned it. It's just like, it doesn't make sense on this Bulls team to give him 4-154. That's crazy. Like there's, it would be so silly. And you know, the Vooch thing, like, we've been debating this forever. Just like, okay, if you lose him, how do you replace him? Well, if you're going to keep Zach and you are committed to DeRozan, and I do agree with the point that, like, if the Bulls lose DeRozan, that's going to really have a big impact on the team's ability to remain competitive just because he's such a steady hand at the end of games. Yes, he's a bit hard to build around, but... You know, he's a low turnover guy. He's an efficient two-point scorer. Uh, He really just helps settle the team and organize them, even if he's not exactly like the ideal type of heliocentric star that you want. He does a pretty good imitation of that at a fraction of the cost as the 47th highest paid player in the league. So if you're going to stick with Zach and DeMar, I think it would make more sense to move off Vooch try to find maybe more of a high upside center. I do think you need to find a center who can shoot a little bit and pass a little bit. And there's not a lot of those guys that fit that description. The bulls maybe had one in Wendell Carter, but he's long gone at this point. Uh, So it doesn't make any sense to me to trade Zach, re-sign Vooch, and then, you know, keep DeMar into an expiring. uh, Where are you even going? If you do that, like, (laughs) <laughs> right yeah what do, what do you do so like unless you're turning zach into somebody better than him which you are almost certainly not like well, yeah like if you if let's i mean the, the miami thing like if they somehow whatever they traded levine for like tyler hero and whatever else like like what do you like like what are you doing there? you're just going to be in the same spot like i, I think that's what matt again his on bloggable it is on a subsec brought up like th- that like our ownership could be like well you know like hero is like kind of like zach but he's cheaper uh, you maybe get another few assets so you can kind of remain similar. Maybe you fill out the roster a little better and you can kind of get into the same place. And again, some of it just comes back to the aspirations. Do they just want to kind of be okay, compete, maybe save some money and and like that maybe they would do that. But I know we don't think they should do that. Like, which is why like if you trade Zach, I think you should probably just blow it all up. And like, it was just like, where are you? Like, where is your future going if you're trying to build around 33 and 34 year old Zach or tomorrow and Vooch? Like, that's unless you're somehow able to like turn some these guys into something really, really good. Like, this doesn't make much sense to me. Like, unless they're hoping that, okay, you stay competitive and then you turn what like DeMar into something better in the future. But like, is that really going to work? Like, I can't, like, if DeMar signs a big extension, like, is that contract going to be able to get something? Good? I mean, better, maybe. But, like, again, the Bulls have no draft picks and, like, no young players either. It's so like, maybe you get a few, a few in a Zach trade, and, like, that's what they're thinking is. But it's just hard to see, like, that turning out good at all. When they, like, built this iteration of the team, I think one thought was, like, okay, we're going to get back to competence and relevancy. Yeah. And then next time a star is on the market, right. the star is going to choose the Bulls. Well, I mean, if that vision is ever going to come into focus, I think, like, Zach would be the guy that other stars want to play with. Yeah, they're not going to want to play with, like, 36-year-old DeMar. Right. That's like, right. Rick, Ricky, you said, like, it's hard to build around DeMar. I, I don't think it is. You just got to get shooters. Like, if you just put shooters around that guy, he'd, he'd be really good. Like, his isolation scoring is incredible. Um, the fact that he can do what he has done despite zero space around him, like, with just defenders draped all over him, he'd be really good with just shooters. Um, And like, I agree with Matt in that sense. Like if you do trade Zach, you could remain approximately where you are, which is like not that hard to do. They were the 10th seed. They were in 12th for most of the year. Um, But I think, yeah, if you're going to trade Zach, and this is like the circular debate that I think we've all been having for weeks now, which is like, if you're actually going to try to improve long-term and you're going to trade Zach, like what are you doing with just Amar? And so I think it's more to me about like, they could sort of remain competitive. I use air quotes there, but like, what is, what does that even mean? Because as I mentioned before too, like Damar's older, if he falls off a cliff, like your sustainable method of getting to the eighth seat every year, isn't even like possible. So like, how do you, what is the 
justification for sticking around that. I could be fine. Like I think they could remain in that 12 to 10 race and like, maybe that's good enough, but um, I think longer term, like they're, that, that tells me everything I need to know about the long-term vision of the team as if we didn't already know. Yeah, absolutely. Well then, Will, I'm going to ask you how viable do you think it would be to bring back Vooch, Zach and DeMar and tweak the role players. Let's say, you know, I, what I would like to see the Bulls do is just make some trades. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean trade Zach Levine, yeah. but too much positional overlap on this team. They got too many guys who are the same size and the similar skill set. That's the only type of player Arturis Karnaschovas apparently values. So Derek Jones Jr., good player, like him. He's cool. Ah, he's probably got to go. Javante Green, love him. Inspiring. Such a cool guy. Probably got to go. I mean, they just simply need more shooting. So how viable is that path of, okay, we're going to re-sign Vooch. We're going to keep Zach. We're going to go into this last year of the DeMar deal with an eye on extending him at some number. And we are going to tweak the role players around them. Are you disgusted by that plan, Will? Do you think that that is a solid plan? Do you think it's a great plan? How do you how do you view that? I think it's a great plan. I think so. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But this is like, this is the discussion that I think the Bulls are probably having privately is just like, we don't know how to get this thing better, but we know if we do anything, it's probably going to get worse. So let's just stay the same and not get worse. Um, To me, it's like, how could you have not learned from what happened with Vooch this past year with regards to DeMar? Like, how can you go into another season uh, with him now an expiring contract, with him now entering his age 34 season, like how can you justify at, at the very least, like not extending him to a reasonable number to where you can trade him? Because ultimately, like that's the direction you have to go, right? Like this this guy's great. He's playing super high level at an older age, but like he's not gonna be able to play forever. And if you do want to have any sort of like long-term sustainable success, you're right that like the idea was to have him sort of carry the torch for a little while and then pass it to Zach. But obviously that hasn't worked the way that we wanted. So you, you have to pivot out of that. And I think trading DeMar is like the first step that I would do. I think that makes you a lot worse. And so maybe they sort of accidentally tank into a good draft pick next year. You still have the ability to then trade Zach down the line. Once you have a little bit more clarity about what your situation is. So to me, it's like, if you're not going to tear it down, if you are going to bring back Vooch, if you are, going to not trade Zach. I think like DeMar has to be moved and it sucks because like, and for Zach too, like I really like both of these guys. They're great players. They have like a ton of respect in the locker room. What DeMar has done for some of these younger players and just being a mentor and being sort of a secondary face of the franchise has been amazing. And like Zach's really good. He's just been a good soldier through a horrible rebuild for six years. And he's never really been like, the fan favorite that a sort of franchise player tends to be with their team. Um, So it does kind of like suck that these guys are just like always in trade rumors, but that's the position the bulls are in right now. Like they need to make a move. And I think for me, it's like, it's pretty clearly DeMar. And then at that point you're worse. So you should probably trade Zach. Whereas if it's Zach, then it's like, what are you doing? You, you have to trade DeMar now. (laughs) I am curious to see like, if we get reports coming out soon, like about Zach, Whatever leaking from Zach's camp because he's clutch, right? Like yeah. now, if we're already if we're getting now like rumors about the Bulls contacting teams, I wonder if we get any like Zach is upset about this because I mean he's heard his name now in rumors for a few years now, like and you know that gets old. We've seen some guys who just like keep being in trade rumors and they don't get traded. The guys like whatever John Collins, like Miles Turner. I know Miles Turner it seems like things are better now, but like after a while, like and you're just not winning. And Zach is now like, 28, 29. He's won one playoff game and one play in game in his career, like. At a point, just like get me, get me the heck out of here. Like, so it, it will be interesting on that note. I mean, Ricky, in terms of like, if we if, if they do bring bring everyone back, the main core back, like we talk about rotating whatever the role players out. Like, do we should they bring back Kobe? Well, are you are you a fan of re-signing Kobe White? I I feel like it's just it's got to be value with all these guys. Like, you yeah. probably feel a little bit more. Um, like your hands are a little bit more tied with Kobe and Patrick because like they are really your only young players with upside plays. But yeah. like, is Kobe at like the $18 million number that John Hollinger had the yeah. other week? 
is that like worth having on your roster? Like, I don't know. At that point, maybe you should look to sign and trade him. Um, Sam Patrick, like 20 million. That's fine. I don't really have like a problem with that number, but like 25, 30, it starts to become like, what are we building here? And especially if you're going to give Vooch 20, 25, if you're going to give DeMar 30, 35, like I just don't see an avenue to fix any of that or to even improve on where you are. Because as I've always said, like the magic are getting better. They were 500 through the heart of the season and they've got two lottery picks and they've got a ton of young players who are getting better. Pacers were over 500 with Halliburton and they have the seventh pick. They've got Benedict Matherin. Like they've got guys like these teams are coming for them and there aren't that many teams that are going towards the bottom. So I think if you're looking at it from a value standpoint, that's really the key. Um, and I think that's true for like almost everybody except for probably Vooch and Damar, where I feel a little bit more urgency to just like get what you can for them because I think otherwise it starts to look worse and worse every year. The Kobe thing is just tough though, because we talk about, okay, if they're going to like bring these guys back, you like need volume shooting and Kobe's like one of the only volume shooters. But then if you don't want to pay him, whatever, 20 million a year, you sign and trade him. Like, what are you signing and trading him for? I don't know. But like, that's just such a weird spot because they have such the need there for what he brings. But like, he's also not that great at it. So it's like, uh, like I, I, I was not a Kobe guy. He got better for sure. As this season went on, finally started to round out his game, but he's still, and he gets up threes, which is great, but he's still, still like, isn't that good at it. So it's like, how much, like you said, how much do you really want to pay him? Like, do you really want to lock in these guys to this much? And if you're like locking, if you're locking in all these top guys and you basically have like the same main rotation guys as the team that just went, whatever they want again what are we doing here it's like what the heck yeah it's tough because their situation right now is pretty bad but i do think they could make it worse <laughs> like if they make the wrong moves here so you know while all of us hated the inactivity of the last few transactional periods um I could see like if they just like made some trades on their non-core pieces, signed Vooch to, you know, if I'm re-signing Vooch, I really want a year that's non-guaranteed there because I think the expiring contract could be more valuable in this new CBA. So like if you get non, if you get, let's say a three-year deal, third year is mostly non-guaranteed, like potentially that could maybe raise Vooch's trade value down the line. Uh, because I think, you know, teams are going to want to look for ways out of hitting that second apron. And then with the rest of the roster, like whether you re-sign Kobe, who seems like he'd be a good fit because he can shoot, but we've also seen Kobe for a few years now. Can you trade Kobe for someone better and more established than him? Like, I think they should be looking to make some trades. They haven't made any trades since getting DeMar and uh, Lonzo. So it's time to make some trades. Like if they're going to re-sign Vooch, okay, make sure you get a non-guaranteed year at the end of it because that would be one way to increase his trade value, I think. Um, my, my guess then, with Vooch is that they are probably looking at a three-year deal right now and negotiating over who gets the option on the third year. That would be my guess. Which, yeah, I mean, if you're giving Vooch I mean, like a third-year player option – that's for his silly. age, like 35. I mean, they do but love that's, giving out player options. <laughs> but again, like I, I talk about like the desperation level and this is where you get yourself in trouble. If you are determined to make the eighth seed every year and you're desperate to like retain your guys in order to do so, do that's when you make bad contracts. And so I think in this new CBA where draft picks are at a premium, where developing young talent to be cheap, like high level contributors right away is so important. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of talking myself into the six and 11 thing here now, because like, <laughs> even if you do have Damar and Vooch in that core and, and Patrick, whatever, you get like a couple of young players that hopefully pop, but at least they can sort of be the bridge into the next thing. Whereas if it's just like Zach and the kids again, I feel like we've already kind of seen that story play out. Um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's hard to imagine what a good return is for Zach and just in general, what these sort of star returns are going to be this summer after just like three unprotected and a player for DeJounte Murray and Donovan Mitchell, four or five for Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert, two players that should be in the same sentence. Uh, 
it's just, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I don't really know what to expect. And then if they can't get that kind of value back, yes, I think we all want them to really make trades, but they do have to be careful about not completely screwing themselves up for longer term. So I also want to bring up, I was gonna say, I also want to bring up Patrick Williams, talking about Kobe. Like, I think some of this also depends on like just how good you think he is, Patrick Williams is. And I've been a skeptic um, because I know like one of the things we talk about keeping this core together a Raptors guy talked about like trading Lonzo and Patrick Williams for like Fred Van Vliet in like a sign and trade, like to like to add to this core. Like, is that something you'd want to do? Like how much do you guys believe in Patrick Williams? Rick, we've obviously talked about this a lot, but like, do you think Patrick Williams still has like any type of star upside, like equity there? Or do you think he's just kind of going to be like a guy we talk about like whatever the, the five year, like a hundred million dollar, 20 mil, million a year thing that I think that was Keith Smith threw out there as like a possibility. Like, uh, is that like something that would be good? Like Will, you said, like that's fine. We talked about it in our podcast. We thought like that'd probably be fine. Like Pat's a fine young, fine young player. Again, skeptical about star upside there. So like, like if we do like Zach and the kids, I think that would be like a we are banking on Patrick Williams like taking a huge leap and like being a guy moving forward, or you just tank and you hope that the next yeah. guy you get in the draft is good. So like, Will, where are you on Pat? Uh, these days because yeah in that scenario like you don't even have the upside to keep bringing in draft picks right like you're not going to get as much for damar as you are for zach and that's that's kind of where i talk about the urgency um i think patrick at 20 million is fine like og ananobi is making 19 million this year and og is much better than patrick defensively and offensively i mean you think he averaged like 18 a game patrick can't even score 10 um but I do like Patrick. I think he's sort of like the prototypical big wing three and D guy. And he does have some creation upside that I just don't think he's really been confident enough to fully explore yet. So I think it's on the bulls to like put him in a position to be able to do that. Um, Billy Donovan and I kind of went back and forth over the course of the season talking about how like that was not going to happen because like, it's not necessarily in the best interest of the team because the best in, interest for them is to get the eighth seed now. But I wonder if at, at any point that they kind of not decide that, you know, getting the eighth seed is not important. I think that will always be their goal, but that in order to get there, Patrick Williams has to level up and in order for him to level up, he needs to do a little bit more. So I think if you can get Patrick at that number, it's probably fine value and then whatever else he can develop into, I think he could turn that into a value contract. The, the new CBA is going to be wild. And yeah. I just, it's hard to really imagine like who gets what number, but like 20 million on that CBA is probably like the $14 million contract Jordan Clarkson has. And for like a six man scoring type versus I think what's more valuable, like a big wing three and D. So I'm totally fine with that, but obviously, you know, it's not in a vacuum that you're looking at that. It's right. like, how do you, how do you factor that into the larger puzzle? And if Zach is there, Damar is there, I'm would, not really would sure you do that? How that works. That Van Vliet thing. Idea. The Van Vliet thing being. There's Lonzo and Pat. This was the, I think Eric Kareen at the athletics. Oh yeah. yeah, like yeah. Lonzo and Pat, and like a second rounder for Fred Van Vliet in a sign and trade. Sorry. My desk is raising up and down. Um, probably not just because I think that again, locks you into this longer term version of like maybe a little bit better, probably better, but how much better and for how long. Right. Um, I think Van Vliet is a really good player, but he's a little bit older and he has a ton of miles on it. Nick nurse miles. Yeah. And it's like the Tibbs miles. Like it's, it's, it's heavy. Um, So yeah, I just think like these, the idea of investing more into this group, I think is just a bad idea. And so they have to kind of be looking for ways out. Um, and one of the ways to do that, I think is just going to be, like you said, Ricky trading some of the role guys. Um, and obviously they don't have a draft pick this year, but um, you know, Justin Lewis was an undrafted free agent that they signed. And I, I want to get your opinion on some of the uh, potential, you know, late sleeper guys that could fall out of the draft or, um, I don't know, just like free agents, maybe in the G League that you've been interested in. Yeah. So if they're gonna stay the course, and maybe this Zach thing happens, it's like a week before the draft, and I'm I'm a fan of the slop. We love the slop here, <laughs> and I'm glad we got some slop before we talked. Um, but I still think it's probably most likely that they don't do anything. I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree. Um, so 
if it's just fringe roster moves, I agree, Ricky, like they have to make some trades of these guys at, at the back end. Um, I know you guys were on with Stefan the other week and he was like six new shooters and I'm fully on board with that. Like, give me, give me just like six guys, five guys that can come in and shoot threes at a high level and create some chaos with movement. Um, so I don't know if there's any like specific examples that you would want to talk about. I think, you know, there, it's going to be sort of like bargain hunting at the bottom. Uh, but what about like Ricky, some, some undrafted second round potential guys at the bulls, you know, they can Go get buy back into the, yeah, they could get back into the draft. Um, they have already forfeited the 57th pick for the Lonzo ball tampering fine. So if they were able to get back into the draft via trade in the second round, they could make a selection there. Um, and I think that's like not unreasonable. A lot of these teams have multiple picks late in the first and early in the second. Um, a lot of picks in the mid to late second are second or third picks for teams. Like, are there are there guys that you would, you know, want to get back in for or hope that they fall out of the draft entirely? Yeah, I think just as a general rule, if you're going to keep Demar on the team, you just need shooting. So any shooter they could find, I think, would be a pretty good uh, situation for me. I don't have a ton of names in front of me, but I have been watching this draft class all year. So I think I can spitball a bit. One name that jumped out to me, I had a front row seat at the NCAA tournament in Des Moines, Iowa, to watch Penn State make some noise, win a game uh, in the first round. I think they had a tight loss to Texas in round two. Seth Lundy sort of has the, uh, the projection you might be looking for. Uh, built like a fire hydrant. He's like 6'5", squatty, low center of gravity, strong, really long arms. Senior. I like the description, <laughs> squatty. <laughs> Improved to a 40% three-point shooter this year. So uh, he could be a guy I would look at for sure, I think. Just like good shooting prospect and not small. Those are the two keys. If you get a good shooting prospect and they're small, not really going to help you. I think you want a Big, you know, meaty, beefy shooter. That's what the Bulls should be looking for. Big, beefy boy. Another another guy I saw at the Combine who I thought was unbelievable, and I knew really nothing about him going into it, is, and I believe there's no relation here, but Tristan Vucevic, uh, who's a 19-year-old who played for Real Madrid. I believe he measured 6'11", barefoot. This guy at the Combine was, like, not even making the net move on his three. Yeah, he he can stroke it. He looked unbelievable. Is Marco 2.0. To get Marco out of here, bring this guy in. <laughs> well, Marco could never shoot like that. Yeah. And I don't really know, you know, how how much overlap there is actually in their skill set. Marco just seems more like a bruiser in terms of his skill set. Uh, he's certainly not a sniper like no. Vucevic, if that is how you pronounce it. And I I don't know if there's a better tall shooter in the class than this Tristan Vucevic. Uh, there's a K and, in there somewhere. I feel like I don't remember. <laughs> and he was he was awesome at the combine. Didn't know much about him, but he's very tall and he can really shoot it. If you want a guard who can shoot, Adam Flagler, who was around a long time at Baylor. I believe he's a very good three-point shooter around 40%, 80% free throw shooter. I think that could be interesting. Another name, if you're looking for a big man who could maybe stretch the floor a little bit, how about NCAA tournament hero? Adama Sinogo, who left UConn, he really developed into a three-point shooter this year. I believe he had attempted like one or two threes in his entire career before this past season. And then he was splashing threes at a pretty decent volume throughout the year. He's also a really good rebounder. He's long, uh, you know, 7-3 wingspan guy. He's not super mobile, but he, uh, he's got a good frame, like 250, 60-pound frame, and he is a guy who has developed his outside jumper while also still having like the traditional big man stuff. So I think he's pretty interesting. Uh, Really like the only thing that I'm looking for is shooting out of any of these guys. If you want a deep sleeper, how about Marcus Bagley, the little brother of Marvin Bagley? He's a very star-crossed career at Arizona state. He barely played, but when he did play, he's like a, tall, lanky wing, unlike his brother, who's a frontcourt player, uh, who can supposedly shoot. I mean, his numbers weren't super good, but he's always had a good reputation as a shooter. So those are some of the guys I'd look for. Amoni Bates, another one. I I assume he'll get drafted. Maybe he won't. Uh, But, you know, his one skill is shooting as well. So 
I think what you want are guys with sturdy frames, which Bates does not have, but sturdy frames who can shoot. It's kind of what you're looking for. And anyone who fits that description, I think would be a good undrafted free agent type for them to get. I have heard some good things about Justin Lewis in his rehab. I really excited about him last year on the team. I also think that like while Dalen Terry got a red shirt last year and it's impossible to say what his role on the team will be. He just has to play this year. I think because even if he's not any good, like the only way you're going to be able to tell is if he plays the bulls have so few draft picks to their name that you can't just totally burn one on a guy who doesn't even get a chance uh, when he was a top 20 pick. So to me, you know, I'm moving off DJJ. I'm moving if, off if you don't like Dalen, trade him. Like they, if they drafted him and they just think that he's not good, like this, or trade, work, him. trade him. Yeah. You just trade him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that you know they, they they need some fresh blood in there for sure. And then if they're going to keep Demar Vooch and Zach, they need shooters around them. If they do that, of course they're not going to win a championship. But I think yeah, maybe they could be interesting. I think they could be better <laughs> than last year. I have a dra- another draft question here. Do we think yeah. there's still any chance that they could get 23 from the Blazers? There have been some rumors out there about the protected pick. They could work something out there. And I feel like we haven't really heard anything since then. Uh, so I'm not really sure. But if they do, say they do get 23, like uh, other names possibly if the Bulls somehow got late first round, 23. So I would just yeah. first say, like, th- yeah. to me, when the Blazers moved up from five to three, the odds of the Bulls getting the 23rd pick back felt a lot smaller just because I think, yeah, if they're going to move it um, and scoot is available, like that, the value of that pick just is enormous. Um, But like, maybe they're going after two guys or maybe, you know, they're going after Embiid or somebody who would require multiple future first. I think that's where the bulls have leverage, but I think that leverage went way down. And honestly, like, what does it say about your team? <laughs> if like the most exciting thing you have to look forward to is like, if you can squeeze another team out of some pick protections <laughs> I know. down the line, um, 23, I don't know. Ricky probably has some stronger takes, but like, yeah. again, we're just talking about shooters. Like yeah. Derek Whitehead would be awesome. I really like him. Um, like if Jordan Hawkins is there, it'd probably be hard to say no, I don't love him, but like just that quality of shooting, um the the movement there i think is really good um i don't know yeah this this draft is so crazy after like 10 where like any of the guys between you know 10 or 11 and like 25 26 could be drafted anywhere it feels like and so it's hard to kind of say but again just like size and shooting that's that's all i need jet howard and bryce sensabaugh are two other names i would say i think there's a pretty good chance I think definitely one of those guys is going to be available between Jet and Bryce at 23, maybe both of them. Also, the Bulls are not getting that 23. <laughs> yeah. I figured as much. I just wanted to throw it out there. We have we have so so little draft things to talk about. We need something to come up with here. Yeah, but <laughs> I do I do like Will's question about the undrafted free agents because, you know, in this new CBA, as everyone's talking about, you're going to need rookie-scale production. It also puts a little bit more pressure on the G League. Uh, just to like develop some guys on these two-way deals, develop contributors out of the, the Miami G League. <laughs> the Bulls had the G League MVP and Carlick Jones, Carlick. right? Uh, not a super tantalizing prospect. He's so small, but He's really I mean, small. huge numbers. Maybe you do give him a look this year, but I would love to see them stack the G League team with like some real prospects because even their G League team, like. It was kind of just guys. It sort of seemed like they didn't put a lot of thought into building the G League team. So, like, you need to get some, like, more appealing guys who have real NBA pathways, whether they shake out or not. Like, essentially what you want to do is just get guys who fit the the mold of an actual NBA player who have some skills that, like, if they hit, they could be pretty decent. Uh, and they don't really have that currently on the G League roster. To me, it's a lot of guys who have no chance to make the NBA. So I think that just becomes more and more important for everyone moving forward, especially for the Bulls who are sort of boxed in here without a lot of picks. Ricky, where do you think guys like Ben Shepard, um, Julian Strother, Marcus Sasser, some of like the older 
players coming out of college that are probably going to be like mid second round? Like, do you think there's a way they get in, in that range? I love Strother. Strother would be awesome. He's got real size. He's six, six with a six, nine or six, 10 wingspan, a uh, pretty strong build and an absolute sniper is a shooter. Of course he hit the big shot. Uh, for Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament and one of the later rounds there. So I think he would be awesome. He's like an ideal type of guy that you target in the mid-second. And yeah, I do think that that is possible for the Bulls to acquire a pick, let's say in the mid-40s, because, I mean, we saw at the trade deadline, everyone's trading five second-round picks at the same time. The Bulls need some more young talents on the roster. And it's hard to say like, okay, we're going to draft a guy 47 and he's going to have an immediate role on the team, but... Uh, as we've talked about, the Bulls definitely have some roster spots. They should be turning over. They need more young talent. So I would love that if they could get in, try to get a guy like him. Uh, and I like the idea of trying to find a young point guard prospect. Uh, now, obviously, if you're picking one that late, they're going to be flawed. But I think Sasser is a pretty good bet. Someone like Mike Miles from TCU is just a gamer. I could see him eventually developing uh, like a Fred Van Vliet type. Um Marquise Newell is interesting. He's so small, but, uh, you know, maybe that lack of size will let you get him as an undrafted free agent. I said Adam Flagler. I think he's pretty interesting. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of trying to get a young point guard prospect to develop because, uh, you know, besides for shooting, point guard play, I would say, is one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. And then just like wing depth, they have no wing depth. Their only wing is Patrick Williams. They're only real forward on the team. So uh, they need to beef up there a bit too. And hopefully Justin Lewis returning does help that. But, you know, how much are you really putting on Justin Lewis's shoulders as an undrafted guy coming off an ACL tear? Yeah. Still seems like more of a long-term. Can't really expect much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like Justin. He's also just like a really – Nice, quiet, humble dude. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. But um, we, we were going a little long here. So uh, we probably wrap it up. But anything you guys want to plug or mention before we get out of here? Ricky, go ahead. Uh, not too much. I'd say I'm just doing draft. You got some mock drafts. Nation.com. Uh, so I had a mock draft up. I'm doing another mock draft Monday. I'm doing another mock draft the day of the draft. I'm also putting out my top 60 big board that I'm still sort of working my way through. But I got a pretty rough idea of where that's headed. Uh, I talked to Dave Lato today, who coached Ooh. the Thompson Twins and overtime elite, of course, former legendary DePaul coach Dave Lato. Uh, he was really cool to talk to. I got some good insight on the Twins from him. So I'm going to try to spend my weekend writing a feature on them. Uh, and I will have, of course, as I do every year, a look at next year's top 30 after the draft. I've been doing that for like 10 years at this point. It's been a real adventure. I've been right about some stuff. Luka Doncic is the preseason number one. I've been wrong about some stuff. Cam Reddish and Emmanuel Moutier is the preseason number one. Everyone so gets stuff wrong. Look at, and I think it just sort of like sets the table for the next draft class a year to come. So that will hopefully come out the day after this NBA draft as well at SBNation.com. Nice. Yeah. Go check that out. Uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Uh, go check out ClutchPoints.com. Tons of NBA coverage and a bunch of stuff there. And we'll, we'll probably have a Cash Considerations pod next week, uh, maybe before the draft. I mean, again, with, with the Bulls not having anything going on really right now, uh, maybe there'll be some more rumors we talk about. Maybe they'll actually buy a pick. We'll see. But We'll have another pod coming out in the next week or so, either before, maybe before the draft. We'll have something after the draft too at some point. So, yeah, and uh, this we will be have this pod up on our feed at, uh, at some point as well. So this is great. Thank you so much for having us. Always, always yeah, a pleasure, and never, never an issue going long. Whenever we have guests, we go super long. We always just love random happens. Uh, stupid happens. team that even though they depress us. <laughs> and it's always like, it's the same conversation too, just like a bunch of different <laughs> ways of doing it. I don't think anything will happen until at the very earliest, like on draft night, certainly for yeah. the Bulls who are kind of waiting on other teams to make some yeah. moves. But uh, obviously we at CHGO will be back on Monday and we'll be live every day of the week, just like we always are. Um, again, follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. I am at will underscore Gottlieb, all the underscores here today. But thank you guys so much for coming on. It's great talking with you. And we will see you all next time. This is last year, Bulls. It's not last year.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.